So I want to tell you guys something exciting that uh, me, Giacomo, and a few other Squad Games members did yesterday. It was quite exciting. Ooh, um, you can tell. Yeah, we, and then I'm sure, Orion, we can go over what you did that was exciting yesterday. But uh, yesterday, we ended up building 14 sets of Into the Dark. Cutting them out. Actually, we, we cut out 20 sets. Uh, we sanded. We got through 14 sanded sets no 16 sanded sets we only have four left um yeah it was uh a long 10 hour day yeah. <laughs> it was it was five it. five homies sanding and cutting their little hearts out you know that, so that, that can be rolling yeah and one dog and yeah, one dog. as a man as a man who has built and painted 10 sets of Into the Dark as well, I feel your pain. That was Whoa. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll never forget the frenetic frenzy of cobbling together the 40 Into the Dark sets before KTO. Um, that, was, <laughs> that was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Exciting. Now, Orion, uh, what did you do yesterday? Well, yesterday I had quite the wild tournament. Um, it was a the largest tournament you've ever seen for a two day event. Uh, it was, you know, for a golden ticket, and there were, uh, you know, there were there were eight of us. Nice, nice. Uh, but it was a super stacked competitive team or competitive tournament. You know, there's a lot of great players in there. A few new guys still, and uh, I managed to take second um, with three wins and two ties uh, with demons. That's exciting. It was exciting. I had a great time the whole way through, especially since I took them to lose and that didn't happen. <laughs> what, what, what do you think makes is making demons broken confirmed? Yeah. yeah. Hashtag, hashtag confirmed. Well, we also have a uh, highly competitive kill team <laughs> player in our, uh, we actually have the number one ranked demons player. I think in the United States that came to our last tournament, Alexander Popov, he has, he has a strawberry <laughs> as one of his, uh, one of his pink whores, no blue whores, pink the whores. brimstones, pink the brimstone ones. The brimstone. Really? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he was here yesterday building terrain and he said, you were coming for his throne. The demons. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know there was a throne to come for, but yeah, no, there's a small throne. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so how did you end up running them? Um, so I ran the three different fire teams. I went with Nurgle, Corn, and Zinch. Uh, Zinch was the pink horrors exclusively. Because uh, I don't know why blue horrors are a thing, but besides a cruel joke, perhaps, on the uh, <laughs> in the book. Um, but yeah, I took them all. Uh, they were all very useful. The only constant throughout the entire five rounds was Plague Bearers. I took them every game. That, that's exciting. Blood for the blood god, huh? Yeah, so said the corn, the corn. Uh, what are they called? Blood letters. Blood letters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They did some work. They mulched some marines. Uh, you know, my Nurgle boys were good and sticky throughout the entire tournament. They did their job of, you know, standing there and looking stupid, <laughs> and you know, occasionally poking you with a rusty dagger. And then the pinks, you know, when they did, they just split everywhere. All over the place. It was hilarious each time because you would tell your opponents that they split. And like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then you do it and like, oh, crap, you can split. <laughs> Gets them every time. <laughs> yeah, I actually have yet to run demons post, you know, the the uh, the addition of the plus one CP and crit ops. But it feels like that'd make a big difference. And, you know, your total amount of times you can split per game. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, the extra CP, I think, is one of the things that hands itself a little more, you know, better to things that are like two CP tactics. Because all of a sudden you have that, it, it kind of just becomes a one CP tactic from the original, you know, time it was played. Uh, and it's not like you have a bunch of strategic ploys that you need to use. So a lot of times you just have the CP to, you know, do a single or, or double split in a game. And it, with the new crit ups where, you know, capture, you're just kind of holding objectives and stuff like that. Having those consistent extra two APL bodies just hanging out really holds the place. I'm sure blue horrors just love loot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good luck taking them away from that. It's like, aha, shot your backline. The backline's infinite. They'll just split for eternity. They'll just. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what missions did you guys end up playing? Did you do loot two times or secure or capture? Yeah, we, did or? Loot. we did loot two times. We did capture two times and secure once. Got it. And um, Shane won that event with legionaries, right? Yes. Uh, so Shane won that event. He went four zero and one. Um, his only tie was me. Um, and then following that, I said it was me in second with Adrian Bonviento in third with Orc Commandos. Nice. Yeah, and so he was my other there. tie. Yeah, the fact that you went like three zero two is <laughs> pretty impressive, mm-hmm. especially into that field. You know, still undefeated. <laughs> yeah, I went undefeated and said objectively uh, in the last game, had we continued through our time, we ended in time, unfortunately, um, but it was not looking good for the Orc Commandos at all. So likely that would have been a win, but you know, time was called there and it didn't really change anything for the final. So it was all good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a, a combination of blood letters and pinks would be really rough for Commandos to run into. Uh, I actually said I just took the plague bears and pinks, uh, because the plague bears just make their melee god awful with no rerolls, um, and you know the the feel no pains just completely destroy chopper math, That's and true. the the pinks with the you know two two point trinket of flux just really really hurts to get shot by, because you know it's four or five damage coming in, hitting on threes sometimes twos and rerolling ones like commandos can't eat all that shooting. That makes sense. That's crazy. You guys heard it here first. Uh, demons are the, the new meta. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just <laughs> <laughs> they will still crumble to any significant shooting team. Luckily, there weren't any here. Well, uh, what's, so- what's fascinating is that this golden tournament ticket, this this golden ticket tournament didn't have cultists or Felgor. Uh, it did have cultists. My did round it? one was versus cult. Did it? Yes. <laughs> oh, and you beat them handily. How did uh, how did that end up going for you? Uh, so that one ended up being 15 to 13, I think, in the demon's favor. Um, this is versus Ryan from Command Point. You know, he's an excellent player. Um, but it was pretty much like one of his first games with Colt. Mm. Uh, that being said, I mean, they're still Colt, and they do Colt things where they move forward and just, you know, ruin your life with fantastic you know, bodies and rules. Um, but I managed to get loot on that, which I think was part of the reason why I did well enough into them. 
Makes sense. Uh, yeah, and opinion. we were on the open. We were on into the dark. So I was able to at least get on vantage points and start shooting some cultists down. Uh, he made a few early on mistakes that helped me at least drain his CP pool a bit. And yeah. Was it, was, it a, was, a, was yeah, it a mixture? Around, Go ahead. Uh, I played around probably 15 games with Colt, lost one of them. Uh, the only <laughs> loss uh, was on old loot uh, to three mm-hmm. points. And I played against uh, one of my buddies who played Kazarkin for the match. And his only strategy was to just loot everything before I could reach him um, and just gun down like what he could before I got to him. And, and he and I tabled him at the end, uh, but he won by one point because he just outlooted me. Mm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, with loot being at four now, uh, that strategy won't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. My main strategy was just to kill anybody who was possibly able to loot. Um, so the minute he made a torment or a mutant, I was like, cool, ignoring them for the rest of time. And I'm going to kill everybody else who can loot. Yep. Uh, and demons fortunately have a good amount of movement, uh, between like getting on vantage points and with the horn moving seven inches for the pink horrors, you can kind of get those angles on open board to just start sniping the devotees if they've been put in, you know, compromised positions and on loot. A lot of times they kind of have to be, cause they have to be on those objectives in order to actually do the mission actions. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that when I'm playing as Colt, um, you know, later in the game, I'm often electing to not mutate my devotees anymore. And I'm just trying to heal my existing torments and mutants instead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that, that was, that was a great game. Um, I was very surprised in the outcome. There was at one point, I think it like turn three. Um, he had, we were looking at the board to see how many activations were left. He had three left to go and I had eight <laughs> and we're like, wait, that can't be right. And we, we ran the math again. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. All right. I, I guess you, the cult will have overwatch. <laughs> Watch out for those auto pistols. You know, you, you can upgrade the auto pistol. So it's a mighty three, four, uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, so what you're saying is cult needs to start relying on shooting. That's, that's what I've been theorycrafting. Mm. Ah, well, I do want to say welcome to the Squad Games podcast. Uh, it's me, Dakota, your host, with Giacomo, the uh, ever beloved Giacomo, and we have Chris Baki and Orion with us today. Um, we already started talking about the main subject of our podcast today, and that is going to be the cultists and the Felgor. Um, mm. And at the very end, we'll discuss on how we think people can best beat them. Now, um, fellas, do you, are you guys excited for the summer of the cult? Or do you think that uh, uh, people are going to be able to, to stop the dominance? I am here for hot cult summer. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a grand old time. Um, you know, we've, in my local meta, we sort of embrace this as like playing kill team on nightmare difficulty or like, you know, a boss battle. Mm, just um, in time for Diablo 4, right? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's been fun, you know, theory crafting a team that, you know, definitely is bonkers out of the box. Um, but but finding ways to curb it and, and you know, make keep the gap as low as possible and find ways to mitigate what would other, otherwise be a disaster scenario. Um, you know, we, we know that Colt's going to be part of the meta for a while. Um, so it's fun trying to deal with them on the current form. It definitely mm-hmm. is, especially with GW usually being pretty light-handed on all of their uh, their their nerfs, I should say. As what I think Pathfinder's got nerfed five times before they stopped getting nerfed. 
Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we can. I would say that I, I would expect to think the same for Colts. Um, <laughs> so, are has everyone forgot about uh, Gellerpox, or have we all just said that uh, the new, the new, uh, the new Gellerpox is is cultists? Well, I mean, I for one, I'd never viewed you know Gellerpox as a problem. Uh huh. Even even in their like top tier state, I still felt they were beatable. Uh, Colt though, Colt's got some some legs to it. Quite literally, <laughs> like, way too many legs. You seen those guys? He's <laughs> um, yeah, there's 23 of them. I have a commission. They're just for, humans, right? <laughs> I have yeah, a commission to paint them. In my mind, a lot of models. Gallipox yeah. are a lot more consistent with just what what they do, and also like how they take damage and get degraded. You know, it's a very good, just consistent experience. Um, even though they're getting those feel no pains, you sort of just walk into it expecting they'll eat half the damage they take. And if you go into it mentally prepared for that, you're going to be okay. But with Colt, you have this weirdly wildly swinging, you know, pendulum where on the one hand you can get some, you know, early strikes off on some devotees early game and sort of like pick them off and mitigate it as it, as it goes on, sort of is- isolate the torments, stun them a little bit, and you're going to be doing okay. Um, on the other hand, if that doesn't happen, or you whiff a roll like and a devotee buggy. turns into a mutant and the next turn turns into a torment, it can run out of control really, really quickly. And that's where there's oh, this yeah. wildly, wildly, you know, chaotic swing of what Colt can do. And I think that's what makes them really, really terrifying as a prospect to deal with. Yeah, and it, it kind of sucks. Um, I developed a lot of maps last year to stop the dominance of Pathfinders. All right. Um <laughs> Now, now we we all have to rethink that uh, for the the fact See, that it just helps Colts, you know. The Pathfinders were trying to warn us. All right, <laughs> like you gotta shoot them at long range. Don't try the melee thing; it isn't going to work. And we didn't listen, and we yeah, just we, kept taking Pathfinders away. And now here we are. Exactly. exactly. I mean, the thing I'm I'm kind of curious about because I think it's no secret that a lot of Pathfinder players have really died off, and it's very scarce that I think we see Pathfinder players, like the really higher experienced players running around with them. I haven't heard their talk into like, Oh, how do we take on Colt or how does it go on into the dark? I know that's probably a shit show, yeah. but on open board, I would be curious to see just how good Pathfinders are into the cult. Uh, Cause I don't have any players around me that do it. You know, and I used to know a few top players like Travis Chang who are, you know, pretty pretty good with the uh the pathfinders so it would be interesting if we got a lot of those previous shooting meta teams like pathfinders and vetguard back in their prime versus cult right now if we would still be seeing the results that we see so i played vetguard recently into them um and i won by one no i tied i tied um and the only reason why i tied is because they clumped up for like I think it was three mutants and uh, two devotees. And uh, I was able to blow them all up with one mine. And I killed all five models on like turning point three. Um, otherwise I would have lost. Um, I kind of, sure. I kind of, <laughs> I, like, I kind of, yeah. I kind of think that blast is kind of the way to go, but also turn one alpha strikes like pathfinders can do very reliably. Um, don't get me started on, on Pathfinders. Turn one off a strike. Yeah, get a get a good fusion grenade off on that uh, leader, and you might be doing pretty good. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think Pathfinders have a little bit of play, especially with their damage profiles. The, I think the, they where they lack is the amount of blast. They don't have a ton of blast, so uh, it's kind of harder to kill all those models that are hiding um, without having the blast. But yeah, I'd be very interested to see where they would go. Just just starting off, what do you guys think might be strongest into cultists right now? Oh, I definitely think yeah, uh, commandos being able to throw forward some some of those uh, you know initial charging uh, you know potential uh, guys are throwing dynamite plus those backline shooters presents a variety of things that the cult has to deal with that can potentially really put them off off kilter at the start of the game. So I definitely think commandos have play. Um, I've heard rumors of Phobos being able to do pretty well. Yeah, another um, turn yeah, one alpha think, strike team, right? And I think Vetguard has the tools as well. Mm. Vetguard has a variety of things with blast. They have a lot of bodies. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just pretty good at, at, uh, hanging back and laying down a lot of fire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, you won with Gellerpox. Do you think Gellerpox could take on the cultists? Yeah, I, I think they would definitely have a decent chance. Um, for sure. It may come down to a little bit of the feel no pains. Cause you're going to get into that area where everybody's just like, well, do I take it? You know, and it's going to get a little swingy in that game there, just really okay. say if the cult comes out on top or the Gellerpox. Um, but the Gellerpox definitely do have some good play. Like, if you can get a good shot with Thrice Curse turn one on a couple guys, uh, you would definitely have something there, especially with the damage change uh, on the uh, the Icon arc. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To be more in line with, like, the Nurgle stuff and the Breachers. Yeah, but, I played that matchup uh, last last week, uh, Gellerpox versus Colt on Into the Dark, and it turned into both teams turning on you know Rust Emanations and Sickening Aura, throwing the Torments and the Hulks in a mosh pit in the middle, and just chopping at each other. Um, and it eventually ended once the Iconarch got close enough to start influencing those fights, and then the math got swung so hard that the the Colt ended up just pushing through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Gellerpox had a lot a variety of tools to make that matchup you know workable. Mm. Yeah. I would imagine the Mind Witch would also be pretty decent doing mortal wounds to hulks and stuff like that. In uh... Uh, you know, I have yet to use her her uh, sort of close range brain blast ability. Uh, what she was doing most of the time was th- she threw a vortex uh, down turn one to kill off some uh, some of the grubs, and then was stunning hulks after that, just uh, just locking them down with minus one APL. Uh, making it impossible for them to move to where they needed to be and, and you fight as well or, or secure objectives, you know, making it basically impossible, um, which was pretty effective. Hmm. Yeah. So in, in looking back at, at your question, like what teams do you think would be good into it? I have a question for you, you and uh, Giacomo here. Mm-hmm. How many models do you think Colt can lose turning point one and still be fine? Five. Ideally? You think they can lose five and be fine? I think so. I think they can lose like seven or eight. Depends which models. Oh. Yeah, how would that's you, true too. How would you feel about turn one on the first activation if a cult player lost, let's say, ten models? You'd feel that'd probably be pretty unwinnable, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say I would think so. So uh, the, running back to my wild tournament mm-hmm. uh, in the final rounds uh, to decide who kind of gets this golden ticket. Because uh, it was up in the air between a lot of people at this event uh, for third place. Um, um, Command Point played each other, Ryan and Shane. And, you know, Ryan's taking Colts, Shane's taking Legionaries. 
turn one, uh, you know, Shane runs up with his Balefire Acolyte and gets the mother of all fireballs that you've ever witnessed. Oh, uh, yeah, sniping yeah. 10 cultists off the board. What? That's insane. Uh, so, you know, that was a crazy moment. You know, we all had to like take a step back and like, oh my God, that's the, that's the most destructive shot I've ever seen. And, you know, the room was, the room was pretty filled with, uh, you know, some sadness for the cult player, which is, you know, unprecedented normally. <laughs> uh, but he you want to guess the final score of this game? 19 to 20. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're very close. It was, um, I believe, 13 to 14. Wow. Really? One point difference. And they only had five models left on the board. Correct. The start of turning point one, they had five models to work with and they still held it to a point lead, which easily they could have still won. Um, it really came down to a few dice at the end of the turn, uh, end of turn, turning point four. That's crazy. So That's imagine if they nuts. just only lost a few models that game, they would have steamrolled. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that kind of like like I have like a couple fixes that I, I've talked about in my pat in the past podcast kind of makes my, my, <laughs> my fixes just completely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, they don't need to drop any models. Just make their devotees just utter trash. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, what would you guys think of, um, uh, making their, their transformation ability, uh, making that a, a one CP cost. So they have to spend a CP on transformations. Oh, like trans the mutation. Yeah. Actually make it like a strategic ploy or some shit. Considering they don't have any way to generate CP. I feel like that would eat. That would probably make it. You'd, you'd, ha- you'd have to prioritize it because you can't just play the game with these cultists. Yeah. Um, they're not good enough, but mutants are good enough and it's easy to get mutants. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but if you made it a CP thing, assuming you could still use it, I guess, in the turn order, right? So, like, you yeah. can spend one CP or two to three. Yeah. I don't see people being able to budget that well enough along with tactical and strategic ploys. Because then you're just never going to use one or the other. And then you, then what's the point of having either? True. It's almost like uh, Manuel on our past podcast has said that there was, like, two teams that specifically needed a rewrite. Like, uh, probably like rubrics and I forgot the other team, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. This team has, has been, uh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's very hard for the developers to figure out a fix. And maybe that's why we didn't see any in the last one. Um, I mean, I mean, I think there's a lot of merit to that. You know, if you notice that some of these teams that have tended to perform really well, it's, it's the teams that sort of break away from the traditional mold of, of a 10 model team with some decent shooting and like one or two melee specialists, right? So it seems like Gellerpox, Felgor, you know, I would say Void Dancers and Colt uh, that are really weird. And so, you know, having this this line between they're too strong or they get shot off the board, you know, it's hard to walk that. Um, and I, th- yeah. I think those teams are the ones that the, the developers seem to have the hardest time balancing. Yeah, th- I think the most interesting thing about them as well is that since they're so much different than every other kill team out there, um, they are innately more difficult to play against. And if people don't see them in the regular metas and they go to these bigger tournaments, you know, they might struggle into them just for the nature that they are different, right? So there are a lot of there are a lot of, of reasons why 
some teams might perform better, like especially Gellerbox. Gellerbox is, I mean, I didn't play Gellerbox forever, right? Um, until they people started thinking they were good. I think that was when Orion won the the, the last narrative. Um, <laughs> uh, then everyone started playing them and picking them up and being like, oh, wow, they're really good. Um, but yeah, they're just so much different. I think that's another reason why Gellerpox, they definitely have play. And after I got a few tips and tricks uh, at Kill Team Open from Mr. Orion, which I appreciate you, um, they are beatable 100%. It's just so much different and hard to play against them. If you don't change the way you play, you will lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I would say the same thing for Felgor. Uh, when Felgor dropped, you know, I, I, a lot of people sort of saw that and started dealing with it and seeing you can't kill him with shooting him. The hysteria. And, uh, and it seemed like an insurmountable mountain of, of goat flesh. And you know, <laughs> when, when my local meta, you know, took that in, we just started playing a bunch of games with them and trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, my first few outings, I got absolutely clobbered by them. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated. And I was <laughs> Did you out. lose like 10 times in a row to them? I don't think it was 10 times, but it was, okay. it, it was twice, but it felt like 10 times. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I sort of went back to the lab and trying to figure out how to deal with that team. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it, it ended up just being, you just have to treat them like they're the completely own thing and not play against them like they're any other team, um, you, you know, and employ some different tactics and they're beatable. I 100% agree. I when I played against them at BAO, I specifically chose completely different operatives. Like I didn't take plasma when I played Vetguard. I just didn't. I didn't want to kill him. <laughs> I'd rather get them lower, <laughs> you know. Um, and Orion, I know that that's the team that you're wanting. Is that the team that you're still wanting to play right now? Oh man! So I have some real cool models. Yeah, I was do. real excited to play them. Uh, I did take them out to a tournament, and I did well with them. Um, but I don't know. It the, the feeling of playing them just got really soured by people, I guess, seeing you take Felgor, and like, and they just start groaning, and mm. that's not something I like. I don't want people to like see like, oh, well, you know, a good player is taking this insanely busted team. I'm not gonna go to this tournament. It's just gonna suck because there is a lot of frustration built in with the growing pains of facing a team like Felgor, like uh, Baki said where you ha- kind of have to take those hits on the head and then you, you figure it out on how to start beating them. But in a lot of cases for people that's in tournament play and they would rather just wait to not have to deal with that problem. Uh, so I didn't, I kind of leaned off of playing them just cause I didn't want people to, you know, start seeing Felgors like dominate and just be everywhere and be annoying and cause this problem in the game where people think they're toxic. Mm-hmm. I, th- you know, I, th- yeah, I think that's very, I think that's very astute. Um, both of the teams that we're talking about today are both feels bad teams for different reasons, right? Um, we have the Felgor, which people don't like to play against because they do kind of shut off an ability in the game and it does make some people feel bad. And that's obviously the reason why people don't like to play against them. And then you have uh, the cultists on the other side of the, of the spectrum where it's like they are almost the same where their models are insanely difficult to kill, right? Um, and because of that and the fact that their models just get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, you know, you have uh, the other spectrum of another feels bad army, just like Tau, but Pathfinders, but Pathfinders <laughs> are more of the, um, the aspect of I'm not going to interact with you other than kill your models, right? So... Um, 
Yeah, I find it very it interesting. It doesn't even have the common courtesy to do it within an inch of you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep. See, there, you know, there is a little bit of a difference there. Like with Tau, Tau is a feels bad in the sense that like from the get-go, turn one, nothing is safe. Agreed. Um, any of their models can take you off the board just with their regular shooting profile, but they also have the tools to make anybody targetable when we're talking like pre-nerf pathfinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very stressful from the get-go. But you can with even Col- hide your models because of the turn one alpha strikes. Right. You can't hide them or just the marker lights in general. Yeah, you're, you're not marching the marker lights or the recon drone, the different shooting angles, the, the grenadier moving 25 billion miles across the board to, to throw three fusion mm-hmm. grenades in your backfield and uh, stealing initiative. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I don't get to go first. Actually I do. It was something like that. I think that is infinitely like worse for the game because the opponent is stressed out immediately. And especially if they don't know these things uh, like turn one, the game is pretty much over in the, if there's a big feels bad there Yeah. with Colt and Gellerpox and stuff like that. It was. It's a little better because you can see it coming. Turn one isn't really anything hyper crazy. You know, you can get in the water. You can get accustomed to it a little bit. Same with Felgors. The biggest play they have is maybe throwing a stun bomb uh, down the way. Uh, so there, there is a little bit of a leniency there towards these teams in my eyes mm-hmm. because you can see them coming and eventually they will wear you down. But it's it's funny to say it's a bit more of an honest wear down and like beat you down. Yeah, like you know yeah. they're busted, but they have yeah. to get to you to be busted. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's this something in the back of of everyone's mind when this happens. Of if I can only pull off the right play, if I can only get lucky enough, if I can only have this go right, I can still win, right? Like if I get the right turn one alpha maneuver, I can win this thing. Um, and that's not the same mentality when you have you know when you play against a great pathfinder player because you can kill any single pathfinder you want. You can kill the recon drone, go for it, right? Like you can kill it. Uh, you will still get marker lit to death. They will all still have all the rerolls. Those are going to be pathfinders running around all over the place and they'll eventually get you. Um, and you know, that's, you know, and like you said, it starts from the first activation turning point one. I, I do think the one argument I could say against that is that pathfinders were in, were notoriously and still are notoriously difficult to pilot. How now, how, how difficult do you guys think that, cultists and felgar are to pilot compared to the previous boogeyman which is pathfinders so i i tend to give felgar a little more credit than i think a lot of people out there do mm-hmm. i think it is a it can be a more complex team At I agree. Baseline, you can just charge and fight people but there is a bit of finessing to you know charging people the right targets or winning the right statistical like fights there are some that are no-brainers, like if you use the Mangler, odds are he can probably double-tap something as long as you did it correctly, targeting someone who already went. But a lot of times you can't just charge into a, a decent melee model because you might die and then Frenzy doesn't even work. Yeah. Uh, so there is a lot more, I think, thinking with that team where it is less forgiving. Uh, their saves are pretty crappy. There's no heals besides like the Shaman. As to where like the Cult, they can run in. You know, maybe they get, you know, completely shot. A whole bunch of guys are down to one wound. And then you erase that uh, completely with a mutation or something. Mm-mm. So Real I think quick, Colt yeah. is a very easy team to play. Um, I don't think there's a lot of high level things there because most of their models don't do anything. Most of them, I think 10 out of 15, are just there to become Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, 
as to where like Felgor, they all have a unique role. And if you do lose one of those guys earlier on, or you get them shot from range and their, their frenzy is useless, you have lost something. Um, so I think there's something to be said there. They're probably like mid tier in terms of difficulty. I'd probably put them around like commandos area, but okay. certainly not like Pathfinders. Pathfinders are an incredibly difficult team uh, to use. Uh, yeah, I definitely echo uh, you know, most or all of what you're saying, Orion. The, the only the only point I, I guess I disagree with is that you know one of the interesting things about uh, the the cultists is is not the the ten guys, but those five dark commune operatives. And I think one of the problems the team has right now is you can solve every problem by just cramming a torment down your opponent's throat. And I do think it'll be interesting, you know, you know, if or when the team gets adjusted, um, if maybe those those five commune rock stars might see a little more, you know, play and start to see their abilities explored a little more. Um, I've loved playing with the GA two, the 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 uh, Blade Brothers, you know, using the different spells in the Mind Witch. And I think it's really interesting to, to think about different ways to use the different abilities the leader has other than just mutating everybody. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if that ever gets, uh, you know, looked at. Absolutely. I think, I think, um, I think the Felgor actually have like a really, really high skills, skill ceiling ceiling. I think that, uh, as a team innately, like without any shooting and how they have like super conceal and a bunch of other stuff, I think that they definitely have like some super, super, high levels of play that we could see come out of them eventually. But I do think that, uh, like you said before, a lot of people are not wanting to take them because I, our last tournament, we ran 24 players. We had Ezekiel, um, who I think is 13. Uh, he brought cultists and no one else did because everyone didn't want to play cultists. Uh, and it's just because it's like this, like weird social faux pas that they're so strong that everyone kind of knows. And it's a little bit nicer than than the 40k meta where they have to ban Eldar and Eldar still win, <laughs> win events, <laughs> um, you know, uh, in 10th edition. So it's, mm-hmm. I, it's I, I definitely think it's pretty interesting uh, culturally how everyone's playing, at least in America. I'm not really sure how it's going in Spain or, or I, Europe. I, I love this culturally that people want to be able to go to these tournaments and make sure that not only you know, they can do well, but also that other players have a good time. Um, and I, I really, you know, I think we saw a sort of a soft, you know, informal community ban on Pathfinders in the days before. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely picking up that I'm seeing it now on, on Colt and Felgor and Inquisition. I think the only note I would have is it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, Games Workshop, at least to some degree, seems to be using like win rates for balancing. And when these factions aren't even being taken, you know, I, I think it p- could potentially just delay things getting adjusted or, or nerfed um, when they should be. So that's my only sort of, you know, potential yellow flag with it. Yeah, at, at the same time, I, I think we've been seeing plenty of cult action still <laughs> um, to the point where I think they won, you know, the past two major U.S. events that we've yeah. had. Mm-hmm. And people are clearly taking them to try and beat some cheeks still. Um there was definitely a little bit of a ban on Pathfinders, I do agree. Uh, but that was because Vetguard was an option, and they, for some reason, that nobody wanted to complain about them. <laughs> yeah, Vetguard is super strong. <clears throat> let's let let's not nerf Vetguard. Let's let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all been dodging that hammer long enough. 
Yeah, yeah, have dodged yeah. the nerf forever. It's our, truly our, our mind can go through walls. What? No, wait, okay. It's, um, it's, it's the it's the fifth <laughs> guardsman order. It's dodge nerfs. And they yeah. just always have fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the only nerf y'all ever caught was the grenade nerf, and it hurt everybody. You ruined it for us all. <laughs> that, that definitely definitely did them in craft world. Um, I'm actually super excited to see what's going to happen at Tacoma, right? Because um, there's what 65 players going and. I know there's a couple people from SoCal going and I imagine <clears throat> people from all over the country are going to go to, uh, go to this event. And then we have Nova coming up pretty quickly after that. Uh, mm-hmm. and if cultists still aren't touched by then, you know, um, it's going to be, there could be two more golden tickets to cultists, which would then be four golden tickets out of five since they were released, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the only reason why, I mean, you took demons to the last golden ticket. Let's just be honest. You took demons to the last golden ticket. Um, Shane took legionaries, which he tied uh, at KTO with to get a golden ticket. And he already won one with cultists. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty interesting. I think the state of the meta for sure. Uh, I think Tacoma is going to be really telling. So let's uh, let's tell these people how they can win with cultists. <laughs> mm. There's plenty of avenues. Um, get a massive torrent, you know, on with cultists. You know, just mm-hmm. send torments into the DZs. You can't lose. It's all you, good. Play on capture. Yeah. Do you guys think that this team is better on Into the Dark? Yeah. Or open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that the sort of the only way to to uh, cramp down on their style is to really you know, pick them apart on open board and have just a lot of long range cross shooting. Um, that's the only time that I've you know been pressed to uh, to either lose or tie. Uh, I've played mm-hmm. Colts uh, probably about three or four times under the dark, and we just stopped doing it. My local group uh, because it, it was it was so one sided. It wasn't it wasn't even. There's like a little bit of that you know again nightmare difficulty boss battle enjoyment you can get on open. Uh, but you don't you don't get that on in, on into the dark. It's just the creeping dread of as soon as the door gets opened, the tide flows through and there's nothing you can do. Was it you telling me that somebody played cultist in a two v one matchup on into the dark and they still won? Uh, no, I, I heard about that, but that was uh, I forgot who that was. I forgot who that, that was, was as well. That's not me. Shout out! Yes, shout out I, to I, you. I did hear all of that. <laughs> now on into the dark, I, I mean, I can really see that happening though. In, into the dark, when you just cannot cramp them at all early game. Yeah, you just get so many, so many of them. You know, um, what do you guys think is the best uh, accursed gift, or do you think it's going to be very s- terrain dependent? When I first looked at the rules, uh, I was thinking to myself. Well, I guess there's always the flight and the speed, so I'm always taking those, and then there's three other options I'll just never do, uh, <laughs> or other options I'll just never do. And after playing the team a few times, I actually realized I was completely wrong, and uh, I've actually grown to really like the armor save upgrade the best, uh, giving them the four-up save. I just found them makes them just disgustingly resilient against shooting, mm-hmm. um, you know, locking stuff out with the fours. Uh, and then the, the feeling of pains on top of that, you know, 13 wounds and a torment um, has just made it so much to chew through. Uh, the inability to also have the weapon skill reduced or getting a reap on their melee attacks uh, can be very situationally useful. Um, against Gellerpox in the dark, I took the reap upgrade. 
um, and charged a torment into a nightmare Hulk and uh, put it in a way where I was getting, you know, reap shots on a bunch of little, you know, glitchlings and grubs and stuff uh, all around the torment and sort of went into a killing spree. Um, so yeah, I, I think all the accursed gifts really have play. Yeah, I, I would agree. They're, they're all, they're all good. There's not one that's like a clear, like, ah, leave that at home. We'll never need that. Um, you know, like, they're all useful because they're all they all pertain to things that are very good in the game. Whether like terrain, terrain gets in the way. You know, entry statuses matter. Like reap is one of the least seen keywords you you do tend to see out there, but it's also really good in the mirror uh, because yep. reap is good against a lot of bodies. And if a lot of the bodies are the meta right now, such as with Galarpox and Colt, all of a sudden you're gonna spread the mortal wounds. It's like you know, so Absolutely. it's all good. There's not one that's better than the other. Yeah, when when I was first looking at this team, my first impression was like, oh, there's probably some that are better than others, but this team is strong enough where sometimes it might not matter even if you choose the wrong one. Um, yeah, it's pretty... I feel like maybe something some of those could get touched eventually, like the Intercession Squad keeps getting some of their you know durable and then methodical eventually get touched maybe some of these will be as well but some of them are so simple that i just don't know if they will either uh, i think they might focus on other areas yeah i think the difference for me is that with intercession you know is like rapid methodical and durable we're just the three that stood head and shoulders above all the other options and there's the sea of other things that people would never take but in, in my experience and i think orion's seen this as well like actually all the accursed gifts really do have play. And I genuinely want to take one rather than the other to match the situation and the breakpoints I'm dealing with. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe they'll get, you know, nerfed that way. Um, but I, I'd be a little surprised. Um, most of the talk I've heard about is like healing on mutation or dropping devotees. And so I'd sort of expect that a, a nerf that they would get would be along those lines. Mm. Yeah, it's one thing I, I kind of hope they don't do. I, I still like the idea of just making them all like just all the devotees just awful and then making it touching their feel no pains, maybe touching their 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 healing. But yeah, yeah. they've been they've been kind of adding and adding wounds to teams and then just minusing operatives when things get too crazy. So I could easily see that being the the uh, the takeaway that they do. I would love to see those little cultists just be terrible at everything just really suck at life um you know when they start out because right now they're still like okay they're still like a guard equivalent you know two they're, three hitting on fours they're better they uh, have four attacks and they hit on four yeah well they, they, have they, are, they are identical to the compendium chaos cultist uh yeah outline yeah, yeah. nobody was complaining about them then just just saying <laughs> <laughs> hey that's before they could heal from one wound my guy yeah, I mean, I mean, I think in my mind, the issue is more that they can go from one wound and then snap back to be a full health mutant the next turn, right? Or yeah. If it's near the end of a turning point, it goes from a one health devotee into a full health mutant, and then the new turning point starts and now it's a torment, right? And that, that's, a, that's a, a snap of 12 wounds regained, uh, and now it's a torment, so... It's also how easily they can do that. With four attacks, they can just walk up to an, a, a non-good melee operative, do some damage, kill that operative, and still live to fight on, and then just automatically transform. I feel that if they only had three attacks, somebody might think twice before they just automatically charge a devotee into something that's not great into close combat. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my one thought of why they should get minus one attack. 
Yeah, I think three attacks would be great. Um, a lot of equipment could actually nerf that pretty hard, turning them down to two two attacks. You know, in the right hands mm-hmm. with stuff like the Shrive Talon. You know, where if they're getting two attacks, maybe they only get one, and then if it's a Shrive Talon, you can parry it out, and all of a sudden there's no mutation. Yeah. So the, that would make duelists a lot more appealing. But when you get four attacks reasonably, you know, it's hitting on fours, it's still a swing, but you only need one. Yeah. Uh, and it's live, right? About it. Yeah. Yeah, I know that the devotees love playing against Geller Box because they can just run up to a, a glitchling and bonk <laughs> and I didn't even think about that. Mutation time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, or, or the grubs, because you just smack grubs off the table for funsies. And then, hey, look, it's Torment. <laughs> yeah, I feel like grubs shouldn't count for that. But, you know, I guess corn cares not. Yeah, <laughs> they sure don't. Um, so I know that you said that there is a lot of cool interactions and cool play ways to play these five operatives of the of their of their oligarchy right um what what do you think are like the most interesting ways to make this team more complicated uh that people might start seeing play uh you know obviously the 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 demagogue the leader uh spends most of her life just making people mutate more um but you know she also has two really other cool abilities, one to just, uh, you know, immediately initiate an, an extra fight and one to do a free dash or, or short charge. Um, and I think that's like really cool kit that I've explored a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, to cracking the team more, you know, again, probably after they get some, uh, some, some touches um, to really exploit that. And the other is the Mind Witch, um, which I really, really like the Mind Witch's spells. Um, my first few games of Cold, I didn't really know how to use the Mind Witch, and I was just sort of thrown out of Vortex here and there randomly. Um, and I've actually come accustomed to use the Mind Witch as the Cult Silent Sniper. Um, I try to put it in a, in a vantage point behind cover on, on a conceal order, and then be trying to, to slap out some minus one APL uh, where it can. And I found that to be uh, shockingly effective in my favorite spell uh, that I use um, usually now every turn. Uh, People usually will steer clear of the mind witch or just melee it, so it doesn't get to get the uh, the super mind mind bomb off. Um, but I look forward to the day where I get to use that thing against a marine. That'll be good. Oh, I would love that. Or <laughs> I mean, mostly a void dancer. Uh, oh, void dancer yes. really can give cold, cold some problems, um, and so doing brain blast on DJ or shadow seer would be great. Yeah, that's another team I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about them another day. Um, yeah, going back to the comment about you know teams needing a, re- a redesign. Uh, in my mind, Void Dancers are the only one that I would I would probably redo from the ground up. Um, I think every team I can work with, but Void Dancers just bothered me at an innate level. Well, I really liked the idea that we had for um, for the Thousand Suns, the Rupert Marines. Uh, it was to give them all different kinds of sorcerers, so they could bring in pink horrors like one sorcerer could bring pink horrors one sorcerer could bring uh zangors one sorcerer could bring rubric marines and then you just kind of mix and match which sorcerers bring what felt like that was an interesting way to 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 balance the team but i feel that i think i'm getting off the subject but uh yeah warp coven are uh very interesting they're close to my wife's heart so i've played against them quite a lot in both editions. I, I quite like them too. In fact, I have a, I have a warp coven versus Felgor match coming up later tonight or, Ooh. or so my, or so my buddy says, um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see when he gets here. Um, you just going to make him slow. I really, I love warp coven. I love playing as them. Um, they traumatized me in my early kill team career and I was, 
I was always too afraid to, to dive into them because of how many just different spells and abilities they had to combo, and it seemed overwhelming. Um, but coming back to them now, um, I really enjoy them, and I, I like throwing a few rubrics on the table. Uh, I kind of wish the Zangors were closer to Felgors, but you know, hey, uh, can't can't win them all. Well, Orion, what do you think? You you played them against Ace at LVO in twenty twenty one, right? Or twenty twenty two? Twenty twenty one. I think. Yeah, one of those. I, one of those. Well, well, LVO twenty twenty one didn't have Kill uh, Team COVID one, so it would have been would have been twenty two because right? the game released in the fall of twenty one, right? Yeah. What do you think of their their recent nerfs? Uh, I actually, I guess, ask both of you. What, what do you guys think of the the Warp Coven's recent buffs and nerfs? Well, I think they only got buffed. Yeah, yeah buffs, got buffed. I mean, yeah, my bad. So I have, um, a, I guess, I have a hot. Oh, go ahead, Orion. Uh, I don't know. Warp Coven makes me sad. What a great launching off point. Um, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, have, I have like the hottest of hot takes. Uh, I like my rubric marines to be weird and my biggest issue with the buffs recently is it seems like all they're doing is making them closer and closer to just other space marines and making them look just like legionaries Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't want rubric marines to be like legionaries i want them to be weird i want all this dust to be weird i want some weird stuff like they're immune to mortal wounds or something crazy i'm gonna i want them to be their own thing you know they're they're not actual marines in there they're just ghost suits uh i think that's really cool and i wish they would lean into that harder instead of running away from it Mm, I could see yeah, that. There's, it's one of the teams that I see that has the most potential to go in any direction. Because um, you, you have these three unique operatives, the Zangors, the Rubrics, and the Sorcerers. And they all fill very vastly different roles in life, in the lore and on the tabletop for rules. And none of them really seem like they fill that potential at all. Like, Rubrics don't really seem like Rubrics. Like Chris says, they're they're just kind of Marines. And what they're being lent into currently is, oh, they're turrets, uh, which is not the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where like, oh, look how good they are. They can shoot twice. Like, great. I mean, Intercession does that. So what makes Rubik special? Oh, well, they have all his dust. I'm like, oh, so that makes them tankier, right? Well, not really. You got <laughs> Nurgle Legionnaires that are better. Uh, <laughs> really what are good. they? What do they do? And I'll tell you what they do. They die. Um, <laughs> it's true. So then you look at Zangors and it's like, oh, these guys are pretty cool. They got a few you know, data sheets. And you look at the icon guy and it's like, all right, he's never raising that icon ever in his life because it's not useful. Um, you know, it's one action and he doesn't have too much to do. The Zangors have pistols. You know, I use them. Everybody calls me stupid for using them. Uh, they, they're probably right, but I'm just very <laughs> stubborn about it. Um, they did have like a tiny place for using Overwatch back in when the game first launched, but now they're they're pretty much irrelevant. And then you have the sorcerers. The sorcerers are just god dang great, but everything that they can do is subpar compared to the current days of Kill Team. True. Um, so you just have this dysfunctionality of nothing working correctly and nothing seemingly working together, but it's all cool shit. Um, so that just puts me in this massive spiral of depression because I want to put my cool toys on the table. <laughs> and then so they're all just floundering like zinch fish. Like they're all <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's hard to justify taking uh, warp coven to a tournament when you have cultists and you have Felgor who just do everything they do, but better. I mean, and you have legionary who has the Balefire yeah. acolyte, who's just a solid, you know, 
tough sorcerer. as nails sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you just compare that to the exhausted sorcerers, which you have to put so much effort into with Warp Coven to make them really deliver. And then the out-of-the-box Balefire is just chucking fireballs everywhere and giggling himself senseless. Not only that, but you have so much brain power you have to do because you have three different sorcerers that you have to choose what they do before each game. It's just, it, it can get difficult. Brain, their brain power, your brain power is very taxed when you play them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. Like, you know, the Fire Blast is an insane power and everybody knows to fear it from Legionaries. Uh, but, you know, that dude's just like kind of zinch aligned. He's just there having good times to light people on fire. <laughs> you know, the, the Warp Coven sorcerers have been training for this for millennia. And their best thing is Flux Blast, which is a glorified bolter that could <laughs> maybe tickle somebody else around the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. They're taking the scenic route to spellcasting. My, uh, <laughs> my, my biggest gripe with the sorcerers is they, uh, they have these cool utility spells like, you know, Reroll your defense dice or get, you know, relentless against a certain target, you know, some, some really cool stuff or, or your opponent can't buff the APL of a target. Like how cool is that? Except it all turns off at the end of the turning point. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really hard to justify spending an action to invest in something where, you know, you don't know if it'll ever actually have value. And in more recent kill teams, a lot of abilities, you know, sort of last to the operative's ne- next activation and things like stun, you know, implicitly always have, you know, APL modifiers. And I, I, I wish more things would get the higher tech treatment of lasting until the, the caster's next activation, just have a better flow for it, right? You know, sort of the philosophy of kill team is supposed to be that turning points are arbitrary, right? It's, it's an arbitrary point in time to just like do a checkpoint for scoring. That was sort of the, the, the concept. And tying operatives' abilities to that arbitrary point in time just, you know, just bugs me. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where the power either needs to be powerful in the moment like impactful enough to do something for that turn. Or if it's not really that impactful, it needs to last longer to equal out what would be an impactful activation from one of your key operatives. I can't tell you how many times I've cast We Fate and my fate has not been changed at all. You know, it just didn't do anything. And I'm like, for a power to, you know, in big 40k, like We Fate is a strong, like strategic, like, or, um, yeah, I think they're called stratagems now in 10th edition but it's like a big deal for thousand suns it's a very strong game-changing ability and when you look at warp coven it's like well none of this really looks like it's going to affect the game that much like maybe you'll get a little bit here and there in the moment if you stack something just right or you didn't stack it just right and it didn't do anything yeah i definitely think that they uh they need to be looked at a little bit more but you know We'll see whenever they do. Moving back to the the cultists, um, do you guys think there's any time point in time when you don't trans transmute a, a mutant into a torment if you have the chance? So, like, would you guys in in a tournament play? Do you think it's very situational, or would you always rather change a mutant into a torment? Let's say you have three chaos devotees on one wound left, and you have you know two other mutants. Are you going to change those three guys with just one wound left into the into all mutants to save their lives, or would you rather just do two torments and then save one of their lives? Are you giving us a chaos cult trolley problem? Yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I would have to give a really unsatisfying answer. And my answer is it depends. Okay. Uh, you know, ba- basically the issue comes down to, you know, your devotees are the only things that can move into a mission action. Uh, and they also are the only things in GA2. And, on, you know, certain missions and, a, and against an opponent that really knows how to curb the effectiveness of cult, your devotees end up late game actually being a really valuable resource and, and a critical resource. And, you know, in a bunch of games, I start, uh, you know, you starting to use mutate to heal my existing operatives uh, rather than mutate new ones. And so later in the game, you know, uh, you know what, I, what I do a lot is I'll take Robin Ransack on a Torment. And I'll start healing that torment because my opponent obviously makes makes that one their uh, primary target from there on out. Uh, and so giving giving that torment D three plus one moots really really helps. Or uh, bring in one of my dark commune operatives back, you know, outside of being injured. Uh, and so that very frequently later in the game, uh, I stop mutating my debut, my devotees for that exact reason. Fascinating. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I really didn't. Um. Is well, a, you know, a canny opponent will just ruin Colt's ability to do mission actions, and that is their their one, you know, sort of weak point is they really, really start getting bad at doing mission actions if you press them the right way. And mm-hmm. uh, definitely, my opponents have learned how to do that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. On, Go ahead. On the other side of that, you got capture, um, <laughs> and, and to add insult to injury, Colt has a ploy which makes them even better on capture. Uh, I don't know why they have that ploy. It's obscene. Mm. What's the ploy? Uh, I forgot the the name of it, but it's a ploy that gives them all the sort of icon bear treatment where they get, you know, plus an APL for objective control, mm. um, which for the most part, uh, it, it's only the mutants and torments. So the ones that can't really do mission actions either at all, or they do them poorly. Uh, so what it really is there to do is just skew the <laughs> skew it even further on their best mission capture. Uh, creatures of the nightmare. Creatures of Nightmare is, I believe, what it is. Yeah, that that sounds like the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you look at capture, what Chris says, you know, again, it depends. But I think in this time, you're just mutating everything you can as fast as you can. You're mutating everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Capture is is brain falls out, run forward, go bird. Which, to be fair, Gellerpox also has a great time on capture, and so does Felgor. Kind of. They're really slow is the problem with a lot of times with capture where it's like, oh, yeah, I got to get there. And by the time I got there, you probably flanked around to get the ones I just left. Um, so, you know, Gellerpox gets a little trickier. It's still good, but it's not as easy peasy as I've found like Colt to be. Yeah, that, that's true. Colt, Colt can definitely hustle a lot faster. I feel like sometimes Felgor can be in the same category that you kind of push, you have to push forward sometimes and, uh, their models can die, um, leaving their back line. You just have to get around them. <laughs> yeah, that was that was sort of one thing that when my uh, when my buddy started playing uh, Felgor, I started coaching him with is is hey, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind, go forward really really fast. I promise you, it's going to pay off. Just 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 run super fast. It's going to be okay. And uh, he started doing that, and then all of a sudden, it started converting into wins um, because you have to like get this really reckless, wild temperament about you to play Felgor. And if you do it right and you protect the right pieces, it can really pay off. Oh yeah. Now, moving on to Felgor, um, what do you guys think is kind of their? Do you guys have a favorite operative, or do you think that anything is like extremely powerful or that people overlook? 
I have a least favorite operative. Okay. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the guy. I, for, I forget his, his, his exact name at the moment, but the guy with the bionic arm, uh, we call him the million dollar man. Okay. Uh, he's yes. the guy who, uh, has one, one love in life and his love in life is to charge you to throw a crack grenade at you and then fight you. Um, and yeah, it's the an, gnarl it's scar, an, gnarl scar. That's right. It is an exquisitely painful experience. Um, I just, I really detest that gentleman. Um, all in all, though, I do really enjoy the, the stable of characters uh, that, that Felgor have. There are some neat ones. I like the Toxhorn, even though he's obnoxious. Um, I like the Shaman. Uh, I love any team that can can have a Shaman. I wish Zangor had a Shaman. Uh, shamans are cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the Mangler. I feel like that's probably one of their best operatives. Uh, it's just such a good model to like double tap something if you're playing very strategic about it it keeps the pressure on your opponent because that model can like pump out 13 damage you know un unaccounted for you know he's not doing anything crazy and it's not too hard to get that off it's not always going to work though and that's the problem where he's just like well what's the mangler going to do everybody look out Uh, so I, i that's probably one of their best operatives and my favorite because he doesn't even have to do that, though. He can just fight twice. Just start yeah, swinging just, his just, arms yeah. randomly. Yeah, just the threat of him doing it makes it just... You don't, you don't activate anybody near him. It's just a death sentence. Yeah, against my game against Sam in uh, at BAO, um, <laughs> I activated my... My... Um, my sniper and my... Uh, what, the, what is his name? The spotter. And I, I shot something that was not the mangler. And then he got a, a max range charge and killed both of them. And I was like, Oh, that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Never underestimate the ability to just add one inch to a charge when you need it or add one damage when you need it. Uh, Felgor, you know, obviously Colt are very strong. But Felgor are also, you know, especially with the right pilot who knows what to do with them, Felgor are, are just so terrifying. Yeah. So we- Felgor in the cult is definitely an interesting matchup. I've only played it once, uh, but it took an ungodly amount of time because nobody died ever. Uh, we were all, I was, I was playing in a tournament, and like at the end of turn two, we look at the side of the table and there's like two models off of it. And I'm like, oh, oh God, this is, this is not going well. We're playing into lunch. And um, both, you know, like both teams have a lot of good stuff to counter each other. But um, there is there is some play because I know we were talking about that earlier. Like what plays in the cult, um, both kind of play into each other very well. Like uh, I used the hammer guy from Felgor in that match, and he did something like twenty mortal wounds all around him uh, between like Whoa. two turns, and then he did about twenty more damage with normal hammer swings. That's um, epic. But he still only killed like three operatives total, because <laughs> they just kept healing up around him, and he just kept smacking them down, you know, <laughs> hammering them to the ground they like nails. Oh, that's actually it's actually amazing. That would have been amazing to see. Do you guys have like, do you what do you think needs to change with with Felgor for them to be socially acceptable to bring to tournaments without making people like breathe out that heavy sigh of like, ah, you know, or paint. 
War paint? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty hardcore on the war paint train too. Uh, it's really it's really annoying that the sort of the one counterplay mechanic you have the team is is you know at range is, is shooting them to, to frenzy them. Um, but if you take war point war paint, uh, their movement is in, isn't impeded, so you're really not doing anything. Um, and they're still going to get that activation. They're still you know likely to get to charge something, and it's going to still really hurt. Uh, war paint going to two equipment points would fix so much with the team. Yeah, it also allows them to be stunned, um, and a lot more, like, half the team cannot be stunned, which is good, because that means you can protect operatives as the Felgor player that you need to get things done with. But that means the rest of your team is exposed, and they're open for counterplay, where they can still be stunned, even if they're frenzied, which means they can charge, but they can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So people can start taking more stun grenades or MP grenades. Um, Once you take that from the seven to eight operatives they can put or paint on, or all of them, if you ignore a crack grenade, um, to maximum five operatives who can't be stunned or don't get affected by injury, the balance changes significantly. Um, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, is just how much war paint prevents Felgors from being punished. What what about this? What about just changing the archetype of the team just to seek and destroy and getting rid of recon? Well, I only run Seek and Destroy, so I mean, I don't, I don't think that would be huge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Seek and Destroy is phenomenal. I mean, it is. never think about it. It is. I think Recon is busted, though. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like I wouldn't like the team to change by removing options. Um, okay. Also, you know, I did play Blooded for a while, and their only choice was Seek and Destroy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Again, I'm going to harp on this for eternity. Why they didn't have Infiltrate is beyond me. Yeah, they should have. Uh, get it. I why to blood anyway. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just I think it's unfortunate to only get to pick one archetype. Um, you know, I know Warp Coven know how that feels. Yeah, mm-hmm. same with the uh, Vet Guard. Yep. Yeah. yeah it just creates very stagnant gameplay. Yeah, sometimes security is not not fun to take. <laughs> or just that one option. I definitely know what you mean. It's just the it's just the human teams that just get one option, right? Uh Blooded and yeah, I can't think of any other team. Blooded, Warp Coven, and Vet Guard that have one option. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good yeah, stuff. I mean, Warp Coven do have two, but realistically, not really. Um. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys like the the uh, FAQ drop today? And I think they already did most of this frenzy stuff beforehand. But are you guys satisfied with what they changed about frenzy to make them be able to have? points scored against them. I know that they kind of already changed that beforehand, but Mm. reiterating on it on the uh, FAQ. Yeah. I I think we talked about that last time we were on here together, actually, Um, where we're just like, we want them to interact with the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's nothing but a straight up win uh, from last time. Yeah. Whenever it came out. Yep. Do you guys have any favorite uh, strategic ploys or extra tactics that you guys think people have not figured out yet about Felgor? since they're not being taken as much as people probably want to. Well, I'd say the the thing you figure out when you play against Felgor is unlike every other situation ever, uh, leaving a goat at, you know, whatever three wounds left uh, can oftentimes be better than killing it or frenzying it. Yes. Um, And I think that's, that's a counterplay element that once you figure that out and get that tempo of the, of like the tempo of the frenzy system, um, it really makes you appreciate the matchup a lot more. And it's it's one I, I really thoroughly enjoy at this point. Um, it's sort of like mitigating you know, the frenzy activations and 
you know, not worrying about killing them and, you know, worrying about who act, who's activated and who's still got a frenzy in the tank. I just think it's neat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, leaving them just at a little bit of wounds gets rid of frenzy if you do it right. Because, yeah, they can charge in. As long as you don't get one shot by them, if you yourself aren't around, like, a three or four wound, you know, base... They're gonna die on their frenzy to activate or on their actual activation, removing frenzy altogether, which means you probably saved some shooting action economy um, somewhere along the lines by not shitting your pants at the goat that's just almost dead. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys, What team do you guys think is actually uh, pretty decent into Felgor? And could we could we could we give any uh, helpful tips to those people out there dreading this matchup? I still think uh, Bloodletters, uh, I think, would do really, really well into Felgor, uh, honestly. Um, I had a lot of success with Hand of the Archon um, after the change to the uh, pain tokens uh, getting applied. Uh, I actually had a lot of success with Hand of the Archon against Goats uh, because their ability to just you know tap it, do a quick frenzy and dash away really, really stopped the Goats from being able to get close like they needed. And Hand of the Archon has a lot of ways to get reliable crits uh, at both range and melee, uh, mm. which just helps in general. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually think Hand of the Archon is a very strong contender for a team that can do with Felgor really well. How about how about uh, another team that can get um, another team that can get crits? Uh, the Hearthkin Salvagers. You know, that's, I, I think have, that's the last team we talked about when we all four of us were on this pod together. I have yeah. seen Hearthkin on the table exactly one time. Um, I, once, I, <laughs> Same. Like, once, I, once I paint mine up, I'll probably run them a little bit to just see how they work. But to be honest, I, I really have nothing more than just theory. And, and in my mind, I don't see how uh, how the uh, squats yeah. can ever deal with the goats. It just yeah. seems like an obvious. The squats 100% cannot. I, I have seen, um, you know, Votan on the table quite a bit. They're not kitted out for taking the, the goats down right now uh, the way they are. Um, I would agree, but there are teams that that are that are still shooting teams, and I would say uh, Kazarkin is fantastic at dealing oak goats in the right situations mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because they're elite points where they can just kind of get crits wherever they need them to be because um, they don't got to be good crits. But a lot of times you can just shoot them down or get like the multi the melta mine. I think is what it is. They will have to um, throw hands, and that works. Yeah, there's there's a lot you can do to counteract the the Felber play with the Kazarkin. And similar with like exaction squad too, because um, goats like to hide in melee a lot of times, where you can just charge in, do an action, and charge in and pass, which means that goat's probably safe for the entire turn. Uh, not but against with, cops, like not against the cops. No, you're you're getting shot uh, yeah, in your engagement uh, range. The glow sticks, the cop glow sticks, also really are a problem for uh, for the goats who normally rely on being able to use violent temperament when they need to get those rerolls. But turning off all the rerolls and relentless really slows them down mm. and the shields for pairing. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see exaction squad being really good into, into Felgor. something that people have been uh, saying in our meta recently. Um, what about exaction squad into Colts? Do you think that they have any play or do you think they just get smashed by torments? I, I think they just get smashed. I think on, on torments just have too many attacks. Uh, and even if you're shutting off Relentless, they can just turn on the, the spike charge ability and they're swinging five times uh, and they have uh, rust emanations. Uh, the combination of those is just real, real unfortunate for the cops. I think 
Yeah, I think even if the Colts manage to subdue the melee completely, as in like the Colt players getting no hits through, the the Colt the Colts have so many bodies that they're just going to junk up the cops and they just won't be able to pump out nearly enough damage to counteract them to get out of their uh, back lines. The, uh, I will say that I think that vet guard are pretty decent into, uh, into the goats in open board, uh, just because of you, how many, uh, blasts you can bring. You can just bring as many as you can and leave the plasma at home. Um, they're not bad. I think that, uh, into the dark, they can have play, but I think it's way harder because you have to have, uh, the right setup models next to the right models. Uh, it'll probably take a lot of practice. Do you guys think there's any other teams that are pretty decent into, into the goats? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot, most teams actually have a decent amount of tools for goats. I think it just takes a lot of player, um, positioning and changing on how you normally play. Um, a lot of the struggles I think we've seen with Philbrooks is not so much the team, much as just learning a new way to play and how to beat it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I would, I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. Now, um, Ryan, you say that people need to learn how to play against Geller Pox. Um, I know they're I another, sure they're another boogeyman <laughs> in the meta. Do you want to give away any kind of secret tips that people might uh, be able to use against some of the Gellerpox boogeymen in their in their uh, own scenes? Oh, for sure. I talk about this a lot, and it's one of the times I only really get vocal on discords is like telling people to like it, like they're beatable. Come on, guys, we can do this as a group. Uh, and a lot of times it just comes because I have a very high record with Gellerpox. You know, they're a great team. They can win, obviously. Uh, but I also have a very great record um, against Gellerpox uh, with various teams, you know, from elites to hordes, you name it. You know, I, I've beaten them about like nine to 11 times now uh, to no losses. And this is from good players. That's impressive. <laughs> and it's part of, partly because I've ran the team for about 50, 50 some games. I know how to break them down because I know what I'm scared of. And a lot of times it comes down to get as much stun as you can, completely ignore the hulks, stop trying to kill hulks. You don't need to do it because, I mean, the hulks, they're going to kill one to two models maybe a turn if they can get in. But if you just run away from them and just kill all their little guys that support them, all of a sudden now all the Gellerpox can do is kill you. Mm. They're not scoring points anymore. Mm. Yeah, I think there's yes and piggybacking off of that. Uh, the big thing about dealing with Gellerpox is specifically to, to kill as many of the small guys as you can. And, you know, not only are you doing that to just drop model count and, and mission actions, right, which is on the surface. Uh, the other thing that you're doing is you're also, you know, reducing the the uh, number of buffer activations they're going to get in turn two. A big thing Gellerpox want to do in turn two is sort of wear you down, burn you out, throw a couple mutants out there, throw some of the glitchlings, throw some of the grubs, distract you and get your units out of position. And then the hulks come in with finisher moves, clean things out, finish things off, and you're going to have a hard time responding to it. But the more you do, especially in turning point one, to try to pick off, you know, even some of the little grubs, they may not seem like important targets. But every pair you kill is one less activation, or you kill the you know you kill the one for the one and three split. That's one less activation. 
Uh, it really, really makes a difference come turning point two. Um, and yeah, generally avoid the hulks unless you have a specific game plan on how you're going to break one down. Yeah, you got to figure out something you can do to give to the hulks because the hulks, you know, they're going to attack something. So if you give them a target to attack, but with not with the intent to kill it, because I mean, hulks are meant to live. You know, they they have a ton of wounds. They have a five up feel no pain. You have no idea how much damage you're actually going to do. You know, why would you ever attack that? I'm not going to attack that. I'm just going to go kill the thing that I know realistically dies. Um, <laughs> if I need to kill something um, and, you know, just try to stay away from the Hulks or stun them. And then you, you generally have a pretty good win path from there. Like when I play Legionaries versus them, I normally take Slanesh operatives, uh, especially with the Shrive Talon, because the minus one APL is so critical in that matchup where you can often just stun a Hulk and all it can do is charge. When it charges the following turn, you still get to fall back and you're going to shoot something else. Likely you will still shoot. Um, you can fall back further in the lines and kill a grub or you can kill one of their glitchlings. And now they spent one turn doing nothing to your operative. Meanwhile, you've taken out multiple of theirs and debuffed and continue to debuff. Now there's a team that we haven't talked about and there has not been a lot of people playing it. Um, yeah, that's Inquisition. Mm. Um, do you think that Inquisition has any play into any of these high-rated teams? Just because everyone says they're good, but this team is still yet to show its face on on any top tables that I've seen. So I leave this to Baki because I have not seen them myself. And mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I know is the weird balding hex guy can just make goats oogie uh, de disappear into the sunset. You know? <laughs> Hexorcist. Yeah, I- yeah. From, from my perspective, and I, I actually have only seen Inquisition on the table, you know, again, only one time, uh, everyone uh, in my local area is still getting theirs painted. Um, that said, uh, I actually don't think that Inquisition is specifically good into Felgor uh, or cults. Uh, and that is because, you know, that, that ancillary support they're bringing is sort of like a, like a pale shadow of like, you know, vet guard or, or actual, uh, you know, breachers or actual... Um, you know, Kazarkin, you know, some of these teams that get, that can bring a lot of blasts or have, you know, real elite points. And so while you're bringing the specialists in, you're not bringing in the team ploys or abilities that are specifically helpful in those matchups. So even if these ancillary support options really help you in general and against most other types of, you know, enemies, uh, particularly elites, I think Inquisition actually isn't particularly good against these two teams. That's interesting. Yeah. Is there, do you guys think, maybe that's why they're also not being seen, right? Um, what ancillary support, if you guys had to theoretically play them in a tournament, what if you could only bring one ancillary support, which team, which ancillary support would you bring for Inquisition? Ah, I see. Um, mine's a real simple one. I'm a simple man. I'm going to bring sisters because they're cool as fuck. Like, fair. <laughs> it's super fair. <laughs> clear, baby. I'm, I'm going breachers all the way. Okay. Boo. Yeah, yeah. Tell it to the judge. Arbides <laughs> are close second place on that note. You said what was the second place? Uh, Arbides. Arbides. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that uh, that is there anything else that you guys would like to touch up in the kind of the meta that is kill team as of right now in the the summer of cultists. I. Maybe I all right. I got to do like a mini soapbox here. Yes, um, I think. Colts and Felgor and, and Inquisition, you know, being what they are, 
is unfortunately overshadowing the fact that outside of those three, the meta has never been healthier, never, never more tightly balanced. And it's really, really awesome seeing a bunch of events with a huge array of different teams making it into top eight. Um, and so, you know, I think there obviously are some balance issues in the game, but I also just really think outside of that, that it's an, an amazing place. And, and hopefully at some point in the near future, you know, those, those teams get the corrections they need. And I think we're going to be, you know, running around with like what 30 different team options at this point that are all really well balanced. So I agree. Uh, I just, I just love this game and you know, minor issues aside, I think we're, we're in for a treat for the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, if, if I may pose a question, you know, uh, Mr. Dakota, yes, sir. you know, you are a well-versed TO and whatnot. How are you feeling about this, um, you know, possible destructive, you know, meta-defining, you know, summer or whatnot? Well, I know I talked to you guys specifically on Discord um, about possibly me thinking about banning cultists because just because of how strong they are and taking some inspiration from, you know, 10th edition, uh, everyone kind of banning certain things. Um, but before I wanted to do that, I wanted to kind of see exactly where all the, the teams kind of like landed, especially with some of these bigger tournaments coming up. And I still don't think I would ever ban a team. It was just kind of a, a theoretical question. I think that this game is in a very good place right now. Um, I'm mostly worried about the All Valley Team Tournament, which I know both of you are coming to, um, which is uh, going to be a soft plug of mine in a couple minutes. But um, I, I think that the game is in a really good place outside of cultists and outside of, I mean, I don't think Felgor are that big of a deal. Yeah. They are an issue and yeah, they're an issue. They're, they're the quote unquote gatekeeper for, for newer players, which is not necessarily super great. I'd much rather have, uh, keep, uh, space Marines, the intercession squad, our our boogeyman because they're so simple to understand and they're so simple to hey i need ap hey i need this hey i need that felgor you really have to figure out how to play against them to kind of to kind of beat them and i think that's harder for newer players so while i definitely like all these brand new teams i don't necessarily like how difficult the game is maybe becoming accessible for these newer players um, that are looking to to jump up that competitive queue, especially with having to know 30 teams. Because imagine if you just figured out what kill team was and you really liked, you know, commandos and you're, you're coming into this game and they're like, wait, these Felgor don't die? Okay, and then this... And th I think the complexity of the game is is growing quite a lot and I feel that as much as I like it, cause I've been in it so long, I think it can be super overwhelming for certain players. And I don't know how, how good that is for continued new expansion of the competitive scene. So I'm excited to see where we're going. Uh, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant on, on other aspects. So I would, I would only challenge that in the sense that as the game has gone on and as more and more teams get released, the mm -hmm. you know, team overall just seems to be getting more and more popular with more tournaments happening more often and larger. Uh, you know, compared to last year, you know, Tacoma is three times the size as Seattle was last year. Agreed. So, you know, I, I think 
there are some, I think, you know, initial startup pains of, of getting into it and learning the meta. But I think it's also a challenge that a lot of people seem to enjoy. Um, and definitely I enjoy it. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's if people, you know, seem to see it as an opportunity to join something that, that's complex and you learn counterplay for. And certainly the complexity of the game never turned away people from joining, uh, you know, and playing big 40K, right? That's and that, true. that game is <laughs> multiple times more complicated than Kill Team is. So, uh, so yeah. The the one thing that I have to say is that let's say that the game does not like reset next year or something, right? Let's say that we have like another another extra year of Kill Team um, with season three coming around or an extra, an extra extra year and there's another 10 to 14 teams coming. Then we're going to have like <laughs> almost 50 teams. Um, that's kind of where I'm kind of saying that I feel like there should be a line at some point where we stop getting teams. Unfortunately, I know that I might be the bad guy for saying that. I do agree that the game is growing and is more popular, though, than it ever has been ever. We just ran a 24-person tournament that sold out three weeks beforehand, so I'm not complaining. (laughs) Um, At all. You know, especially with LVO having 200 tickets available. Oh, that's something that we should definitely bring up. Sorry. LVO has sold out for 40K and for AOS. So if if anyone's looking to play in AOS or 40K, make sure you go get those tickets and get on the wait list. Uh, You could use our affiliate link if you want. If not, that's fine. Uh, I would assume that the kill team tickets are also going quite quickly. So uh, with two of those selling out in under a month. Uh, just be ready to get your tickets sooner than later. If you're, if you're looking to go, um, or just buy the kill team tickets and, you know, don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll just link the kill team tickets. You, you yeah. know, don't worry about it. You don't have to play 10th edition. Just come play kill team. It's a better game. It's a much better game. And it's a much more balanced game. I know we were talking a lot about the imbalances in this episode, but I, I definitely think, on the positive side, this game is growing. This game is great. And the developers are constantly looking at this game. And they, I, I feel I feel as though they want this team to be the most competitive uh, strategic skirmish game out there. And I think that we are very far, very, very much there. Um, just with a couple tweaks here and there whenever a new team comes out. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys think... Uh, do you guys play any other strategic games or skirmish games? Uh, um, I'm, I'm mono kill team at the moment. There's, there's, uh, been one game I've had my eye on longingly, um, but I haven't, I haven't made the plunge yet. Okay. What game is that? Legion. Oh, okay. So I, I still, I just started getting back into like big 40 K um, which is a little challenging for me because I only play exclusively Death Guard. That is where I've drawn the line with large 40k, not <laughs> getting a ton of giant armies. And they're awful right now, right? And they're awful, <laughs> but I love them, so it's fine. But I've been playing uh, Combat Patrol, and the first Combat Patrol tournament I ever went to, uh, I got third, which was great. Wow, nice. Um, you know, it was, it was a 20-man event, and I did all right. So I think that's given me a little more confidence to be able to handle... Um, yeah, large 40k, which does have some good strategy in it still, but it's a lot more of the statistics game than the counteraction, like tacticalness uh, that comes of kill team. 
So it's kind of its own challenge of like, well, statistically, I should be shooting this gun here and this this here and throwing these shots here over, all right, you know, what's the order of operations of who I activate, how I activate, and how my opponent responds from kill team. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you guys want to do any speculation on the next one before we head off this episode? Do you guys, What do you guys think is coming up in the next season? Any any spicy uh, spicy takes like Vespids? I've I've heard I've heard a lot of really interesting stuff uh, for for the start of season three with the uh, Water World or Jungle World. Um, yes, I, I have also of, heard that. Sort of think Water World seems likely, um, and and yeah, a lot of rumors around something with Eldar. Um, Dragon Scorpions I, and Scouts, I, I believe, is the rumor, and also Terminators versus Gene Stealers. Those are the well, uh, the two big rumors currently. Yeah, the box that I'm really, I mean, if if this whole Terminator Gene Stealer box comes to pass, I will die happy. I will buy every single store I can find out of that box, and I'll hoard them all, and I'll sell them all <laughs> in my garage, and I'll throw them <laughs> in the boxes and just sit there. Uh, I love Space Hulk. I love Gene Stealers. I love Terminators. Um, boy would that be make me the happiest boy ever if if that were true okay yeah uh i'm speculating so we got the all right this is this is a tinfoil hat take here uh get ready for it so we've got a new termagants 40k where are the hormigons at that's true the hormigons are missing why would they be missing that doesn't make sense the two go hand in hand they do I think it's a Hormagon specialist box coming out versus Terminators. Okay. I think the Gene Steelers are a red herring and it's just going to be hordes of Hormagons versus Terminators. <laughs> Our first 20 man team. Kill team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, make, make, make it 40. Man. I don't care. Make them terrible. Make them rot team. Don't you know? <laughs> you thought cultists were bad. <laughs> <laughs> these these guys, guys don't do anything. There has to be a minimum of 20 of these on the table at any given time. Any that are dead, they've respawned on the back of the board. That would be fun. I'm not going to lie. That would be a lot of fun. Just call it the nest. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I think, man, I would really like to see Guaseva come in or something like that. Like the Tau, the Tau, like human team, uh, where they like, more human teams. They, more they, human teams. <laughs> they more functionally just defect. Um, I think it would be really interesting and a really cool way for Games Workshop to also... They've teased about them for so long and there's no official models. So it seems like a great area where where they could uh, really uh, shove, shove off. And if anyone... It's like a very kill team thing to do. Yeah. If anyone has anything, you guys can go on our Discord and, and talk about it and who, what teams you would like to see come up in this, uh, in this next edition. Um, outside of that, do you guys want to plug anything? Huh? No, nothing, I ain't got nothing going up. My, my tournament season isn't quite in swing yet, so I got nothing to say other than uh, the All Valley Team Tournament is uh, the coolest tournament that exists uh, in the you know below Northern California. Uh, if if you can go, uh, you will have a grand old time uh, with you and a team of two of your buddies just going in and, and kicking butt, taking names. Uh, it's an absolutely wonderful affair, um, and I absolutely cannot wait to go. It is the coolest thing, and uh, I'll see you in a few months down there, Dakota. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate that. Um, for anyone else, uh, go ahead and grab your LVO tickets, uh, especially if you're coming from across the way, uh, across the ocean or wherever. Uh, that's another great event to go to. Um, 
And uh, outside of that, go ahead and check our YouTube. We're about to be posting a bunch of videos up on that and our Instagram uh, for more for more uh, detailedness of our of what we're of, of what Squad Games, me, Giacomo, and Sai are doing. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of Twitch stuff here coming up real soon, uh, looking at Tuesdays. So everything will drop on Tuesdays. You just make it Squad Games Tuesdays. Uh, but outside of that, I'm Dakota, and this is Squad Games with Orion, Giacomo, and Baki. Signing off. Bye.